and welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Post here along with Sean Hughes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. All the fights we talk about here are posted on the blog. Okay, now normally we're going to get to our normal stuff uh, in a minute, in a couple of minutes. But first of all, we have an exclusive, okay? We never have exclusive on this. You don't really go look at stuff like that. But uh, Schwan does a lot of uh, consulting with coaches, planning, and planning uh, game plans and stuff like that. And he knows a lot of people behind the scenes in the, in the business. And so uh, he did a little digging on, uh, as you know, Clarissa Shields, the boxer. She lost her match at PFL last week. And Schwan has some uh, details on what's going on over at her camp over at Jackson Wink. Now, we're not going to reveal any sources here. I don't know who we talked to, okay? And I, I just have to protect Schwan's uh, relationships with these people. So we're not going to say where he got this, but I can assure you, wherever he got it, it's the real deal, okay? Is that good enough for you, Schwan? Yeah, sure. Okay. Basically, it's... A lot of people try to say that MMA is not like boxing because in MMA, the best fight the best. Everybody just throws people in. There's no people act as if promotions and managers and connections don't have any impact or influence on the matchups you see. And if you just have any sort of common sense, you know that's not true. There's a reason why certain fighters get or don't complain about pay. Certain fighters always see themselves fighting ranked opponents. Certain fighters stick on, even though when they're in the middle of a four-fight losing streak, another fighter loses two fights, and they're cut from the organization. It's, it's not as simple as who's the best fighter. It's not as simple as who's got the most talent. There's a lot of other factors in it as far as who can make money, who we have relationships with, who we know. So my, my issue with Chris Shields, as I stated on Twitter and people I talked to, is I didn't, like, I didn't like the approach they had with her. I thought she should have used a different approach, and she would have had a better chance in this fight. But after talking to okay, another, could you could could, could you uh, say what that different approach is so that people know what we're talking about? Well, it's Clarissa Shields and her seems to be trying to walk people down and and land big shots on them. And when you throw those big shots, you know, in MMA that sets up a reactive takedown because you've committed to this big bomb or hook or whatever, and the person can get to your hips. So if you have if you're not a great grappler, you want to stay on the feet as long as you can and. Do, do enough damage to where the grappler can't do anything when they get you down or they can't get you down and keep you down. Clarissa Shields is walking into these people and getting taken down as a result of it. World-class boxer. She's probably one of the finest female boxers in the history of the sport. I, don't, I didn't understand why she wasn't using her length, making the girl come to her, using body shots, using counter punches, and sticking a jab and using her distance to keep her off of her instead of walking into her trying to land big shots that eventually got her taken down. It got her taken down in the first so I was hoping they would show a little bit more diversity in what she was doing. But after talking to enough people, I kept getting the same response. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. Well, it wouldn't have mattered. No way they could have been prepared for this. There's no way they could have been prepared for that. And I kept saying, well, why do you feel there's no way they can be prepared for it? And they said, because ultimately, this basically is going to come down to Bell's had an issue with in previous um, incarnations where they had somebody who was a matchmaker and they thought there was a what do you call it? Conflict of interest because you have fighters 
who were are we are we talking are we talking about Ali Abdulaziz? Um, yeah, obviously when he worked there, people had people yes. had criticism criticism of him because they're like, you're getting your guys favorable matchups because you're the matchmaker and all the guys who are underneath you get good stylistic matchups or somehow find themselves moving forward in the rankings by getting the right fights. And he would say, well, there's not, not true. They still have to win the fights and everybody, but they're getting fights that their styles and strengths. He ended up quitting, right? Yes. Okay. But go ahead. But during his time, a lot of guys who, who fought, who fought underneath him did very well in that organization consistently. Um, if I okay, remember, so yeah. so so one of his cli- one of his clients is Kayla Harrison, correct? Yes. Okay, but Clarissa Shields is not one of his clients. Yeah, Clarissa Shields is not. Okay, go Shields ahead. Kind of, Clarissa Shields is kind of on. She's got her own management company. She's got her own setup. She because in women's mixed martial arts, she's considered somewhat of a superstar. So she's not really in bed with a lot of these other promoters or managers in that manner because she has a another whole career and be a big enough Q rating where she doesn't really need them to make money. She can kind of get her own deal set up herself. But basically what they're telling, but basically what they're telling me is Carissa Shields, the, I, the, the general concept, which most people thought was Carissa Shields to get some wins together to ultimately fight Kayla Harrison in a big money fight. If they could manage right. it right. But, but what they, what they didn't do is they did, up for success or to accomplish that long-term goal even from the beginning they're like they could have found a fighter who is purely a striker who is a less of enough athlete that Clarissa Shields could have put on an exciting fight but ultimately one-sided fight where she wouldn't wouldn't have come close to losing they didn't do that they put her in with a girl fairly limited but still has a has a grappling wrestling background and actually would have maybe a little bit of enough physicality and size where she could Maybe not finish Clarissa because she's not that good of a fighter, but she's enough where she could control her to a decision loss. And that's what almost happened in that fight. So in the second fight, they could have matched her up with someone who um someone who was more limited as a fighter. And I'm not talking about experience, I'm talking about limited as a fighter that would have fit the shields perfectly. But once again, they brought her in with somebody who's got some striking background, but somebody who's also has a solid grappling and wrestling background based on the they work with was one which once again exposes Carissa Shields shortcomings as a fighter and so it wasn't it was still a fight for her because she could have fought a different approach she's still the better athlete she's still the more accomplished combat sports athlete but people who are in higher ups who are setting up these matches are from what I understand somewhat connected to the person who actually fought her in her in her loss so it's like why are you putting in your fight who you pour money into and you're trying to get build their career, why do you match them up against Clarissa Shields? Okay, so what you're saying here is this is being this is being uh, controlled by uh, what was her name of her? Abigail, whatever the hell her name is, her manager. Okay, and you know we know who that is. Yeah, what up? But I'm, what we, I'm basically. We, we know who that is. That's Alexa Grasso's dad. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is basically, in a lot of this, when, in boxing, and in, it, this happens in MMA too, when you have a person you feel has star potential, you'll put them in with certain fights because you know that allows them to get excitement, to get two or three wins together, to put themselves in a position to get attention, to build some excitement, 
and to get them a fight w- with a quality fighter, but the right kind of quality fighter. If you want to think about it in boxing, this is fighting underweight, smaller people or people who aren't in his caliber, but he's still getting big paydays. He's getting big rating, rankings and he's moving up in the public as the best fighter, even though he's not fighting the best competition. His promoter is making sure that that is happening. He's fighting legitimate competition, but competition who's too small who isn't as gifted as him. So it makes him look much better than he is because he's not really being tested. Now, hardcores know he's not who he, who, who he says he is, but casuals don't. Casuals are the ones who make you a celebrity and get you the big paydays. In the case of Clarissa Shields, I don't know that she's had, that I, to my understanding, a plan in place as far as how they're going to move her, how they're going to develop her. And as soon as the, and, it's, and it seems like, as soon as that first fight came through, that plan was not stuck to. And people by say who? Well, by who? PFL or who? Um, I've been told it's people who are maybe maybe are funding PFL or who who have a who have a say who who have a say, but also have some connection to other fighters. It's like and and I asked them, I was like, well, why would they do that? Clarissa Shields a big a big star in MMA. Why wouldn't you keep her moving forward? And they said, of course, in general, you want to keep her moving forward. But they're like, think about it this way: if you're promoting a fight. You you're invested in that fighter, so you're going to try to get that fighter big fights and big opportunities that they can exploit. You're not just going to you're just not any way, shape, or form or fashion. If you've got money and backing, you want to put your fighter in a good position to have possibly get some heat and build their own career. Abigail Montes beat Clarissa Shields, even though Clarissa Shields isn't an accomplished MMA fighter. She had a dramatic comeback, come come from behind win. She's undefeated as a boxer, as a professional boxer, multiple world. And she's an Olympic champion, two-time Olympic, I think two-time Olympic champion, but two-time, two-time Olympic medalist. That's a big win for Montez. This ups her Q rating tremendously. PFL to, can get to everybody. Now she, now no, she's no, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Not to guys like us, because yeah, we not, know that not because we know that Clarissa Shields is inexperienced and probably shouldn't be fighting somebody with that type of experience in the first place again once again we're hardcores that we don't we we don't make we don't make or break stars we don't make them the big money hardcores aren't the reason conor mcgregor sold out ronda rousey didn't sell out because of hardcores it's because of the casual fans who buy in and like hey look at our look at our guy look at our girl she's done this that's the one make you the most money abigail montes has been given a huge platform now as long as let me ask you a question let me ask you a question don't you think that PFL is a little bit delusional, delusional in regards to the, who is actually watching their product. I mean, um, I would think. I would. I so would they think, think it's a. I mean, they get the ratings. They know that they know that nobody's watching their stuff. Yeah, but if if you're if I'm a match, so 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 I'm, my question, my question to you is, why do they think that they have a bigger audience than that? I'm not sure why. Uh, I'm sure there's people in there who understand what it is, but some of those people who who it's same thing same thing when Ali was there, he understood what it was. But guess what? By moving one of certain certain fighters he had under him the right way, he created paydays for them down the line. Look at Justin Gaethje. Look at how it benefited him. And I'm not saying Justin didn't earn, but look how it benefited him when it came time to find the UFC. He got a nice, healthy paycheck from the UFC based off all the excitement and interest it generated from the pre previous version of it 
it played okay. a big role. It played a big role in how he got signed. Okay. How if if Abigail Montez somehow moves on from PFL, she's always going to have this as a feather in her cap. This is going to be a selling point if a, if a promotion wants to use it as such. So you're saying that the matchmaking in this particular case is being manipulated by managers, managers of the fighters. Yeah, I, I'm saying, and and you can put a man. Like same thing you're saying, it's a conflict of interest because you're managing fighters when they're looking for opponents for certain people. You have fighters, which is great, but the thing is, are you giving them the fighters that they can beat? Or are you giving yourself putting in a fighter you know who's got a 50 50 or 60 40 chance of winning this fight? Benefit you and that fighter. Yeah, it'd be nice if Shields wins, that's great, but it's giving my my guy a chance. And I know my guy, I know my guy. Very I know my guy has a better than average chance of winning this fight. I, I know my guy is better than they think. So well, you, I, I, let me say this. I'm not particularly surprised uh, if these are the two managers we're talking about here, because first of all, we know how business is done in Mexico. Number one. Okay. And this is how stuff is done. in Mexico, Right. And number two, Mr. Abdul Aziz has been known for this. It's not well, the biggest thing, the biggest reason I, I mentioned what he had done previously is it is it shows that this has happened. People always people always put this on boxing. They say, thing. but if you look at the fact that PFL before they became <laughs> PFL, they had Ali there, and the same people were making the same allegations. So but Schwan, but Schwan, but Schwan. To be fair, most MMA managers that I'm familiar with, okay, and I'm talking about you know most of them would not do this, okay? He's the one guy that I know would do this. No, we, and, and I understand that, but it, it's just saying, like, people will, people will act like this is, there's no way this could happen. It's completely unfathomable. It's not completely unfathomable. It's not. It doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen mostly, but to act like it never happens in MMA would be completely nuts. You have guys on three-fight losing streaks who get a rank guy, a guy on a seven-fight winning streak can't get a rank guy. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. But so, like I said, I, we're, we're not talking about the UFC here. We're talking about a company that has big ambitions, but, but, but probably But once again, not, once again, you, how about this? How about this? I'll put it in this connection. If I go to a work at a company that I know is not going to last long, but it's going to now allow me to raise my stock as far as my skill set and make some good money in the meantime, I might go work for that company. These people who manage other fighters – even if the PFL doesn't take off the way it was, or even if it collapses, if I get my fight win streak or the right kinds of wins, that in creates interest for them if they have to move forward. Now, any regional fight they go into, they've got a, a bigger selling point. Clarissa Shields, you're getting more money for wherever you fight from outside of PFL from this point on. If it comes to the UFC, maybe you have an opportunity to make the UFC or Bellator with a bigger paycheck now because you have that big win on your resume. Look at Bellator. They gave Heather Hardy that first fight. That was perfect matchmaking for her. Then they gave her Christina Williams. Christina Williams' whole career made off of beating Heather Hardy, who was underprepared and underskilled for that challenge. And Christina Williams rattled off a bunch of wins and I think got close to a title shot based off of that, based off one or two more wins after the Heather Hardy win. The Heather Hardy win carried so much weight, even though Heather Hardy had only had one fight in mixed martial arts. It carried so much Abigail Montez could use this to catapult herself into a better position. Her management can use it to catapult her into a better position if they play their cards right. So have the reach that they think it does, 
you can still help yourself and help your fighters down the road as, as fighters for their careers. Is she under contract to PFL? I'm not sure if she is. I, I, I want to say she was brought, these were special event fights. So she might not be under contract. They might have with her now. She'd get more money. Yeah, now she would. Now they put her in, per- she beats her. So now she can demand or, more money from PFL. Or, or yep. her manager might want to send her to Invicta. Invicta. So anywhere she goes from this point on, she's got to win over a high profile opponent. That is going to demand they pay her more money. PFL's got to pay her more now. And they didn't get her in the contract because Clarissa is not in the. Clarissa is just a special event fight. Hell, if they want to rematch with Clarissa, she will still get paid more money because she's the winner and have some have, have some momentum behind Clarissa Shields wants to run it back. Either way, Abigail Montes has now won. She goes somewhere else, she's going to get paid more than she would have normally. She stays with PFL, they are going to have to pay her more to make sure opportunity to use her again because let's say she goes into the, the tournament and she gets to the finals with Kayla Harrison and Kayla resigns now you got the girl who beat Clarissa Shields the Olympian facing the undefeated Olympian there's a storyline you got so you got any uh comments from Jackson think about this? um no not really I mean like I said I, I I don't I I just talked to a bunch of people I know who fought who either fight or have done some management or have work in fight camps and they're just like look dude simple as you're making it out to be you're making it seem like she wasn't totally well prepared and maybe she wasn't but i can guarantee you this is not the kind of opponent they were expecting the was not the kind of exponent they were expecting why would you be an undefeated boxer who makes more money in boxing than most girls making mma wmma and come over there and face the biggest best challenge right out of the gate yeah carissa probably believed she could win but why would you waste a money-making opportunity by throwing her in with somebody who's who, stylistically meant to be her you don't do that you would never do that not with a big star like that they don't do that with any big star who's coming over unless it's a cash out but clarissa she sign a contract and fight multiple times with them so basically you have to look between the lines and say why would why they match her up with a, a big strong wrestler grappler and then the second fight match her up with some also is a fairly competent wrestler and grappler that doesn't make any sense that's not a good matchup for her that makes no sense for her why would they do that and I was like, well, it sounds like, sounds like it's a setup. Yeah. And, and then they're like, if you, if you look at it from that perspective, I was like, well, now that you mentioned it, why would they, they, he's like, they could have found a ton of average or below average boxers with decent records to put her in. And why didn't they do that? And she could have beat them. They're like, they, they could have found somebody to beat in exciting fashion, but they didn't. They allowed somebody who was a heart, her first fight. And then they put her in with another wrestler grappler who can also strike a little bit. And I was like, that girl's actually, he said that they told me that girl is actually better than she fought because this girl can actually hang on the feet a little bit. And I was like, I watched the fight again. Yeah, she was landing some kicks on Clarissa. She landed some shots on the feet. She she wasn't totally lost, which is why she, she didn't have energy controlling and getting takedowns because she knew she could at least survive on the feet. I was like, so you gave her a more difficult opponent in her second fight who poses all the threats of the opponent. Then you add on the, the layer of striking. Are you nuts against your potential cash cow? Doesn't make any sense. Makes sense to a couple of people, I guess. Yes, folks, that's the story. It appears that the Clarissa Shields fights in PFL were set up for her to lose. She did win the first fight, but she did lose the second. So that could be a story down the road. Who knows? 
Well, yeah, like like I said, I talked to them and they're like, I'm not going to say this. I'm going to tell you, think about it this way. Look, you're a smart guy. You understand fights. If you had a big money-making prospect, would you match him up the way Christian Shields would be matched up? And I was like, no. They're like, exactly. Look between the lines. Watch the fights and ask yourself, does this make any sense how they're doing? Find any terrible striker or some grappler with terrible athleticism who she couldn't light up on the feet? They could have given her Cindy Dandawaz and she would have had a better chance against her. Either one of them, because both fighters are more athletic than Dandawaz. But they didn't do that either. That would have been a great win for, for, for Clarissa Shields. Dandawaz wouldn't have got her down. No way in hell. All right. they match, look who they match her up with. And I was like, so they're like, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, read between the lines and be a smart guy. All right. That's the story, folks. Let's move on to our regular stuff, okay? So, first of all, last Saturday we had in the UFC show, we had uh, Amanda Rivas beat Verna Jandaroba by unanimous decision. So, we were both Brazilian fighters. Amanda uh, trains with her father, and she also trains with her top team. Uh, Verna is from Bahia, Brazil. She trains after the fight team. You know, she was a former Invicta champion. In the UFC, she's been kind of not so good. Like, her striking is awful. And uh, Amanda, we need to see how she bounces back from her, her loss. And in the first round, it, it kind of looked like she wasn't doing very well. Like, Verna uh, uh, took her down, sat on her for a while, really didn't do much with her. And then she, when they stood them up, uh, she, knocked, she knocked Amanda down. Amanda came out after in the second round it was a completely different fight. She woke up or something. We saw the type of striking that we saw her use on Mackenzie Dern. And she won the second and third round. So Amanda did make, you know, a bounce back here. And uh, she won the fight 29-28. And by the way, there was a, uh, a head kick. That should have knocked her out. Okay, go ahead. Um, the fight went kind of the way I thought it was. John Jaroba isn't a really great striker. She's not a really good wrestler either, but it looks like she's gotten a little bit bigger and stronger. Maybe she's working more. And secondly, the thing that makes her dangerous against somebody, especially someone coming out of the situation that Reva Reva did, is that she's aggressive. She's she'll take she'll take two to land four or five, and she's willing to fight for a takedown. She's willing to fight to hold Kate down. She's willing to hold position. So a lot of Amanda's success when she fights people is they're so scared of going to ground with her. They're so scared of striking on her because she's so outclassing them. They give her even and John Jaroba isn't as good as Rodriguez but John Jaroba is willing to challenge her in every single range whether she's got the skills or not. She's physically willing to engage in her grappling and wrestling physically willing to engage with her in striking and do so aggressively. She's not conceding any ranges so it was hard for Rebus to find her comfort zones early because John Jaroba just jumped right on her and when she hit her John Jaroba just came bombing back on her and she, she, she hasn't experienced that she hasn't experienced that a lot so acclimated she got through the first round survived she acclimated understood what was in front of her then she made the adjustment because she has the skill sets to counter and to make an adjustment question was mentally was she going to be able to bite down and fight back when she was put into a bad spot because the last time she she did she got finished so yeah she she did she made the adjustment started using her jab using her length moving her feet walking john jaroba into all sorts of shots mixing it up and john jaroba was just a step and a half behind her because she's not that great athletically physically she's in grappling, she's pretty tough, but her setups, her takedowns, her setups, her strikes are just so bare minimum. Schwan, on the broadcast, Dean Thomas said that 
he didn't like the advice that Jandaroba's uh, corner gave her between the second and third round. They didn't give her specific uh, instructions on what she should be doing. Yeah, I was a little concerned with that. I thought there's two there's two frames of mind in this. One, they've already discussed. So now we're just saying certain things and you you know what they mean because we've trained so much and you know how to, inter, in, to enact what we're trying to tell you to do. We don't have to go into detail. That's the case sometimes. It seems like this time they they, ran, they didn't have any ideas. They're having, their their fighter is less athletic, has less range of skills on all aspects. She's not good defensively. She's only okay offensively. She's not great on the counter. She doesn't have good setups. She's just less skilled altogether. So, have specific things to tell her because either a they don't see it or b they don't think she can she can pull it off so they're just like go back to what worked for you before be more aggressive punch chaser presser because they don't they don't have technical answers because like i said either they don't think she can execute it or they don't they don't understand what's happening so they don't understand what and that's that's a common problem in mixed martial arts a lot of coaches will say take the center of the cage throw more punches because they don't they don't they, they don't know how they don't have an they don't know how to take away a jab or and worse yet, they haven't prepared the fighter to make those adjustments either. So there's no point in me telling you to slip a jab if we never worked on slipping a jab. There's no point in telling you to use a body head combination if we have never used a body head combination. I can't tell you to step back and draw them in for a counter if we haven't worked on that. So it's, it's kind of an indictment on the whole preparation process. And a good corner isn't going to win you a bunch of fights always, all the time it win you two or three. But what they can do is put you in position to make fights winnable or for you to not to lose complete control after, of a fight after you had a strong round. And after that strong round, Jandaroba had no control over that fight. She couldn't regain it. She couldn't slow uh, this mo- momentum at all. So uh, uh, Amanda, this, this kind of launches Amanda back into the uh, strawweight rankings, for one thing. Verna, I mean, I don't think she's a UFC caliber fighter. Juan, I haven't thought that for a while. I don't think she is either, but the fact of the matter is they're going to bring in new girls uses the litmus test because A, she's that good on the ground, and B, she's tough and aggressive enough that if, you're, if you don't have a certain kind of poise or you test it on the regional circuit, she's going, to kick your, she's, going to, she's going to kick your face in. That's basically what's going to happen. You're going to have girls who are used to being bullies, who are like power punchers at the regional level, face her and be like, I've got five, six knockouts in a row. They're going to hit her. She's not going to stop pressing. They're going to get backed up and either overwhelmed or taken out and, sh- and strangled out. Even in her losses, she hasn't looked terrible in losses. The loss against Rebus was still a real competitive, exciting fight. It was just one-sided. The loss against Dern was not a bad fight. It was just, it was close, but it was still fairly one-sided, but it was exciting. It, it generated good action. So she's clearly not UFC level, at least top level, but she's far and away better than the majority of these girls coming in from regional levels because they just get stomped. They can't even win a round. All right. Let's move on to this Saturday. Of course, we've got a big title fight with the rematch. Rosnam uh, Hunas defending the strawweight championship against Zhang Haile. And the first thing I wanted to mention is Zhang made the long overdue move of moving her entire camp to the U.S., she should have done this two years ago, okay? And finally, she did it. She's at Fight Ready in Arizona. The head coach there is Eric Alvarezin. Uh, but the guy who's really working with her there is, of course, Henry Cejudo. And I might add that Davidson Figueroa is there, too, by the way. Okay. So 
the bottom line is the key thing was I didn't care where she moved to in the U.S. She couldn't continue to train in China and then come to the U.S. by an airplane and have jet lag because that was hurting her. Okay, training in the U.S. her whole camp because her whole camp is there, right? Is going to help her, and it could very well give her the win. I don't know. I mean, it's good. I, 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 we all understand the logistics of it, so it is smart. Um, I think Cejudo, it's a, I think I've, I've said this before. I wrote articles on this before. I've said this on Twitter. I've talked to fighters about it. It's always good to get an outside look at your fighter from somebody you trust or somebody who's smart. Because when you get to your fighter long enough, you start buying into the hype too. It's almost impossible not to. That's why whether it's basketball, I'll ask somebody who I trust their opinion on somebody I'm working with so I can get a perspective outside of mine. Because no matter how much I know or how smart I am, there's still blind spots preparation there's still blind spots in how i coach or teach or what i focus on there's gonna be it's impossible not to and once you talk to other people and you get another set of eyes you realize oh oh yeah that that we did do this we did do this wrong we did overestimate our ability in this and i i tweeted when i saw the the countdown to ufc um she was talking that lag and her team was saying something like that and henry cejudo in the nicest way possible was basically telling her hey that's great that's fine and all but sometimes you're just not good enough that night you weren't good we're going to work hard and hopefully this night you will be and sometimes you got to have somebody who's on the outside just saying that so that you don't have that mental safe spot jet lag yeah that might be a play factor but the end of the day you didn't get the job done and you're going to have to face this person again so we can't make any excuses we have to see what see it for what it is right now so so go ahead schwan i watched that show too okay is it me or is Rose not taking this fight seriously enough? I think Rose, I think the difference is it seems like Rose isn't taken seriously. And if she loses, I don't I don't want that to be the argument because that takes away from his win. That's why I always say I don't like hearing that because it takes away from the other person's win, which actually takes away from the loser as well. I think Rose is just in a better spot now. I don't think she's as tense. I guess when she feels confident and light and it's a focus camp, but it's a very high energy and positive camp. I think that's I think that's what the best way she works at. And on a podcast I appeared on, I used to I appear on, and he said himself, he's like, I don't dwell on what the opponent can do or can't do. My best is to plant seeds of positivity, encouragement. Now it's my job to break down the film and understand what they can and can't do. It's my job to impart that wisdom and what to look for in my fighter without all the negativity and drama. It will take them off center or to, or to hold them back. Some fighters, you can dump drama on them and negativity, and they'll push harder. Some, you crack them down, down on them, they get hard, they get tougher. Certain people, you, ha- you have to know your fighter. And his thing is developing an encouraging, supportive, but direct and informative camp to, to execute. She's feeling very confident. She's feeling very sure of herself. Rose is best when she's in those spots and when she sees fights those ways. And I, I don't think she's taking it lightly. I think she just feels like, at this point, I'm at, I don't know that anybody can touch me. Not that somebody okay, can. Okay, what, what, what other thing? Okay, speaking of Trevor Whitman. <laughs> yeah. Schwan, he's got, you know, he's got Usman, he's got Gaethje, and he's got Rose. Isn't he spreading himself too thin? Uh, I, I could see that, but the thing about it is he only really works with three or four fighters, three to five fighters. So Trevor Whitman isn't a guy. He he does things the right way. I know this because I've talked to him many times, on directly on shows, everything. He's not a guy who 
starts enacting things when the fight becomes announced. He's a guy who is a comprehensive coach. He is always trying to find angles, avenues, or perspectives that are better. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of big workload, but he works all the time year-round with these people to make sure that when it comes time, the fight we can pare things down specifically and you can be prepared he's not trying to install all these things three months before four months before this is just a continuation of the constant training they have been doing on a day-to-day-to-day basis and now we're just focusing it and keying in on certain aspects so in one instance it's tough because he's got three but you got to think about it another way two of them are in rematches two of them are in rematches one is an immediate rematch the other one's had only one fight between that, he's had multiple camps to get Usman right. He's had multiple camps to figure out Rose. Wiley's coming back immediately. She might make huge. She might make huge changes, but we need to see how those changes hold up. It's it ugly because it takes more than one camp to make things second nature. Unless you're facing someone you outclass as an athlete, she does not outclass Rose up. Manamunis is an athlete, so that means she's going to have to work to get this win. Okay, another thing. Uh, Dan Tong reminded me, we both know Dan, reminded yes. me of some... Uh, that handsome uh, bastard. Yeah, he reminded He's not feeling very well. Uh, Dan Tong reminded me of some comments that Rose made a few months ago that could be perceived as racist or xenophobic. Yeah. to me how people pick it. It's just like real life. People pick and choose when to be offended. When somebody you like makes a statement, it's like, oh, well, they didn't mean that, blah, 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 blah. When it's somebody you hate, racist. People like Rose. People like Rose a lot. And because people like Rose, they don't ask a lot of questions. I can get into it. But they don't address a lot of interesting things about Rose and her circumstances as a fighter. Because people like her and people like the people connected to her, they don't address those issues, which I'm fine with. People are people. Very few people are consistent all the time, straight up and down. It, it just well, well Schwan, Schwan, this is why Cejudo is important in a lot of ways because, you know, she's going to get uh, going to get booed with MSG, just like she was last time. And it bothered her like that. Cejudo, one of the reasons he's important is because he's had to deal with those kind of comments. Okay? And so he can help her ins- insulate her against those kind of well, he he can insulate her, but he can also he he's also like I said. Side, I'm sure they're very honest with her, or at least I hope they are. Not every camp is. I've said this before. He's going to be some from the outside looking in, and ultimately, his only thing is to tell tell her a different perspective. He's going to be honest with her. There's certain things. There's to me, there are certain assumptions that her camp made in the first fight that put her in the position that she was in, getting dropped by Rose. They miss they misdiagnose who, who they had in front of them. They thought because we did this with Joanna, we can do this with Rose. They're two completely different fighters. So yeah. I'm hoping that Sahuda is going to be able to, hey, change your perspective and say, well, yeah, this is all great and fine. But we need to I look think, at I, I think he's been doing that. Now, the other thing I wanted to – I still see whining about an immediate rematch. And I just want to say this. Right after the fight, what the hell did I say? Uh, you were talking. You said they were going to do the rematch. Now, I just want to point one thing out about this. That was not my opinion. That was not my personal opinion that they were going to do an immediate rematch. But 
based on knowing how the UFC works and all of that sort of thing, because I think we both know how they work. I knew they were going to do it. Yeah, and once again, just to get back to our our original conversation, other factors than just the fight itself created this rematch. It wasn't just it's the best fight out there. It was another reason for this fight also being a rematch. It was more than just one reason. So it's never just as superficial as you think it is nine times out of ten in combat sports. Factors that play into who gets these shots, who get these rematches, and who do who who does not. Yeah, my personal opinion is I don't give a shit who gets the next match, right? But I knew with how Dana White thinks that knowing the rematch would probably be even bigger than the first match that he probably do it. Exactly, because the person who's in charge saw money signs and saw more interest in this. That's what we went for. So, Shawan, I see this fight as much more the, the much more of a firefight than we saw in the first fight, obviously. And but because you know, I think the input of Cejudo and Elberacin is going to make a big difference here. Yeah, this one. I thought the first, if you recall correctly, I said the first one could in fact be a firefight. What Wiley needed to do was not strike at Ranger Rose because that was not smart. I said if she strikes at Ranger Rose, she's giving the best athlete. In- biggest hitters in WMMA, the space and pace she wants to. And if she does that, she's never been hit with somebody with Rose's versatility, her accuracy, and her power. Jessica Andrade is a big hitter, but Jessica Andrade is not a sharp or or well-set-up striker offensively. Her hitting you is different than Rose hitting you. One's going to hit you clean. One's going to cuff you, kind of. There's a difference. And I said, I've never seen her get cracked by a world-class in MMA striker or world-class puncher. I said, cracked and she might be done she got cracked and she was done but i i thought she wouldn't engage that long at that range i thought she'd press her and lean on her chin and her physicality to kind of break rose down she decided she was going to box at range with her this fight i believe she's going to try and make transitions off of that off of that long range and get into clinches even if she can't get the clincher takedown just try to wear rose down by attacking her at multiple levels to maybe make her a little hesitant in her strikes and her counters keep her on the defensive and to wear her down by time her body and chopping her with short shots. That's what I believe is going to happen because we we know she can't bo- she can't box with her. I know that for a fact. She cannot box with her at long range, and she cannot kickbox with her at long range. Those that, that's already been established. She's going to have to get in the. Is, is, is going to have the improved, um, wrestling? Because I, I I believe she can wrestle her, but it's got it's got to be well set up because the thing with Rose is if you're taking down and you're not taking her on in certain positions with her length and her athleticism one she's going to be throwing up submissions and two she's going to sweep and get in top and if she gets on top of Wiley and opens up it's a wrap she needs to make sure she's setting these up right and I, and I think it should be levels I think if she gets tied up early bail on the bail on the takedown but just get your couple body shots leg get those in early she's going to have to win through attrition I don't believe she's going to walk I don't believe she can walk in and punch Rose in the face and Rose is going to be down Rose mentally has shown that she can crack you keep putting punishment on her, but physically she can take a lot of abuse. So Rose, I think if go punch for punch, Rose can starch her one or two. Wiley's going to have to get to her spots without getting caught at distance and break her down. It's going to take at least, at least three rounds for her to get to her. I don't think she's going to take her down and just submit her. I don't think she can because Rose is a big, strong athlete too, but I do think she can get on her attack multiple levels and takedowns and strikes and wear her down. And if she puts a big enough, 
round three, she round, late round two, round three, she should be able to put her in a position that she's going to either control the fight from that point on or get her out of there. But it's not going to be easy because, once again, Rose is the better athlete, Rose is the longer athlete, and Rose is the more dynamic athlete as far as what she can do dynamically. She can finish dynamically. She can take you down dynamically. She can box you dynamically. She can kickbox you dynamically. Her thing is to keep Rose from getting to her spots, and Rose is going to hit her, but don't get hit with the – don't let Rose hit her the way she wants to be hit. She wants to hit her. If she can do that, she can extend Rose and she can break her down. It's been done before. Andrade did it. Kovac almost did it in the second fight. So it's been done before, but you have to be willing to take a certain kind of punishment and you have to be able to get to your spots. It's some kind of efficiency sense of responsibility. Have to. Not, a, not an option on that. Unless my impression of Rose maybe not taking this fight too seriously is correct. She's not taking it seriously. If she's thinking she's just going to walk through her again which I, I don't understand how any fighter can really, I mean, no matter what you tell the public, you can't let that creep into your mind because it just makes you lazy. So then when you hit them with the same shot and they don't go down, now what? Mentally, you're frazzled because, well, I wasn't expecting to work this hard. You have to expect to work. Um, expect to work the hardest you ever work. So then if it's easy, oh, okay, cool, I'm ready. But don't, don't go in there thinking it's going to be easy work. Now you, she can't afford to do that. If Wiley starts building momentum, Wiley's better than Kovacavich. She's better than Andrade. If she starts building momentum and, and, and Rose lets her, it is going to be problems for Rose. Well, she could finish the fight. Yep. Okay. Now, I've got a couple, just a couple more things. Big news over at Syndicate MMA, Schwan. Okay, first yeah. of all, congratulations to Joanne Calderwood and Syndicate owner John Wood. They got married on the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm about, I think I'm about tired of finding about trainers dating their fighters, too. No yeah. But the other big news is uh, yesterday the UFC announced that Roxanne Montferri will face Casey O'Neill in February. And Roxanne announced this morning on Instagram that this will be her final fight. Uh, she's retiring. It's her 50th fight, apparently. So, any comments on that? Um, Roxy Montferri is much like Betch Cohea. Kenny Florian, she's much like Diego Sanchez and Forrest Griffin in that she never shortchanged the fans. She got the full extent of her, her she got the best results out of the full extent of her abilities. She is a smart fighter. She's represented the sport well. She's represented women well. And even losing streak she's had, she has never really just gotten wiped out. She's been competitive in every fight. She's exposed holes and limitations in every opponent she's faced. Like clear, she does not have what it takes to be a champion, and the UFC is has no interest in pushing her because after she beat and she beat uh, Macy Barber, if there was ever a chance she was going to get a title fight, that was it, and they did not give it to her. They're they're not planning up. She'd have to win five fights in a row to get a title fight. They don't like her for some reason. They don't want her in those positions. They're not giving. Her those it's not that one. It's not that one. She's not good enough. Okay. Look, look. You can say. She enough but the win over she had a win over Shachenko she had a win over Barber yeah they could have they could have they could have they could hold it hold it hold it I want to remind you that Macy Barber blew out her knee and probably should have quit you we can we can say that all we want but the fact is she had a win over them those two wins are better than any has done in her entire life and Lori Murphy got listen let me say this about let me say this about Roxanne Montefiore I remember when she wouldn't punch anybody, 
I'm serious. Okay? There was a time back when she was in Japan. She refused to punch anybody. She wouldn't do it until she went to syndicate. John would convince her she should start punching people. Yeah, she 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 style her whole approach. I am tremendously impressed with she, her, Kenny Florian, Betch Cohea, Diego Sanchez, and Forrest Griffin are one some of the few fighters that actually said, "I'm making changes. I'm getting better. I'm going to be a different fighter than who actually did it." She deserves tremendous respect. She, to me, she has not gotten the respect she 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 deserves martial arts and i don't think she's gotten the respect she deserves from the ufc she took on all comers even though they were putting her into fights to lose they expected her to lose the shevchenko she didn't they expected her to lose the barber she didn't all these fights they put her in were fights that they want they expected and i believe wanted her to lose and she did her best in them this is the best time because she's not title fight she's not going to be making any more money than she's making right now at her age i don't even see the purpose of continuing to do it because it's not life-changing money you're not going to ever get pushed she represented herself well. She got a title fight. She lost it, but she got it. There's there's nothing else for her in the sport at this point. And let, and let outside of training kids, maybe becoming a, a coach or as a coach, she'd be a tremendous coach. If she becomes a coach, I guarantee she helps somebody get a world championship. But as a fighter, she's done more than anybody could have expected. She's gone further than anybody could have expected. She changed her whole fight style and approach, and she just she she should be praised and acknowledged for what she did. I'm I'm thankful she competed in this sport. She left the sport better than it was when she found it. Okay, you have anything else you want to talk about, Sean? Uh, talk about the women's fight on hard. And I know. Um, I can't. Let me get her name real quick. I just have to get this. I just wanted to talk about it. They have Audrey Koresh. Yes, it is going to be Audrey Koresh. Koresh versus Nikki. Oh, I hate that I can't find this. Do, 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 do. Give me just a second, because I meant to have an. I Go to Capology, my... man. Hey, don't be raising your voice over here. Go to Capology. Right. I use Capology right. for that stuff. I know. I'm just messing with you. Okay, I'm going to Capology. Sorry, my computer is super slow. Do not hate me, American public or Canadian public. Do not hate me. Okay, here we go. It is going to be between... Oh, my God, I hate this computer. Okay, there we go. Danny Nalan versus Andre Korshi. And basically, I'm going to keep it short. Danny should win this fight. She's the more physical fighter. Um, I don't know if she's a better athlete, but she's a better puncher. She's a harder puncher. Grittier and physical fighter. As long as she's keeping Audrey on her back foot and she's putting her shots together, she should break her down. She should overwhelm her. She puts her on her back. She should be able to control her and pound her out to to a win, whether it's a decision or a finish. The biggest is Audrey kind of uses an extended stance, a long stance. And even though Danny's a good puncher, she's fairly predictable and she's not super athletic. So there's a chance she could get caught at range and if she gets taken down, all bets are off. Audrey's a much better grappler, and um, she could she very well could finish. But I don't think Audrey's particularly durable. I don't think she hits really hard. And she's not a bad athlete, but she's not a great one either. So I expect Danny to kind of walk her down and, and essentially bully her on this way to this is this she is an Irish fighter, which means they wanted to give her a fight where she could show some skills, but also well, the, the show is in Ireland. 
Yeah, so they they needed someone who could give her something to work with, but somebody that she could clearly beat. So it's not a da- it's a it's a fight, but it's not nearly as dangerous a fight as it should be for someone who's so, got world it's championship. Also, it's also it's also a straw weight. They don't have a straw weight division. Yes, that's another thing. Okay, that's about it. Again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and also uh, all the all the fights are there uh, that I've, we've talked about. If you have any questions or comments for my blog or podcast, uh, leave them in Anchor's voicemail. Uh, enjoy the fight. Talk to you later.